This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. One thing you can count on in 2016, we began this message on the first Sunday of the year, January 3rd, and I, and I, I really appreciate the, so many people that came up and said, oh, Rick, it was like you're talking right to me, and that's exactly what I needed to hear. I'm always excited when uh, we, we can see uh, God working through his word and through the messages and so forth. Um, so we're finishing that message up today, and, and um, we started off that, that message a couple of weeks ago with a question. Do you remember what the question was? It was this, what is likely to be my biggest challenge in 2016? What's likely to be my big... Now, some of you, three weeks ago, had no clue what the next three weeks... No, none of us had any clue what the next three weeks would bring, did we? Laura, your dad didn't know what his biggest challenge would be in 2016, but shortly after the, we did this message, he fell out of a tree and broke his neck and his back and all kinds of stuff, and that's been his biggest challenge. I hope that's his biggest challenge this year. I hope he doesn't have anything greater than that, but we don't know from day to day, do we? And so that's why we needed to understand about what, so, what, what do we need to know this year? What can we count on? And we said, number one, we can count on this. God is in control. That's what we can count on. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, you need to understand God is in control. First Chronicles 29, 11 ends with these words. You, speaking to God, you are exalted as head in charge over how much? All. Overall, God being in control is called, the, the theological term for that is called his sovereignty. His sovereignty. He is the absolute authority in life. He is the ultimate ruler. He is in charge and he is in control. And we can take great, great confidence in that. Because if he's in control, then who is not? Me. Yeah. If he's in control, then I'm not. So that's a great, great thing that he's in control. He's in control over nature. He's in control over history. He's in control of, of our lives. And even though we have choices to make, does that mean I can't make any choices? Uh, the, the choices I make are not my own? Oh, no, they are our own. And we have choices to make, but our choices are still limited. We talked about three things that we need to remember about God's control. Number one, because God is in control, my plans will have a limit. My plans will have a limit. Proverbs 19, 21, many, <coughs> excuse me, many plans are in a man's heart, but the Lord's decree, what he decides, will prevail. Secondly, because God is in control, my problems have a purpose. Life's not a series of random events that just kind of happen and nobody knows they were coming and it has no meaning. Uh, that's not what life is. If you're a believer in Jesus, nothing, here's, here's a great confidence. Nothing comes into your life, Christian. Nothing, doesn't matter what it is, nothing comes into your life that has not been filtered through the Father's hands. You get that? Nothing will happen in your life that has not been filtered through his hands. Even trials, even, even uh, physical illness and, 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 and everything. The, what's happening, uh, John, in your church right now, th that's happening. There's a purpose for that. God has a purpose, and God's allowing that, and there's going to be good things come out of that that we can't understand. Right now we think, how horrible. But one day down the road we'll realize that was one of the... God, you, you use that, and people are going to be saved as a result of this, and, and it's going to be, we don't know. But God allows these things to happen, 
and even the trials that come into my life that didn't arise from my own choices. And a lot of things happen in our lives that aren't our own choices. You know, a lot of people yesterday and the day before were driving on the roads and on the interstates, and it wasn't their choice that that guy rear-ended him because he hit his brakes and slid on the ice. That wasn't their choice, but it happened. Well, even when things happen in my life that aren't my choice, those are things that God can use in my life. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 said, You rejoice in this, though now for a short time... You have had to be distressed, he says to these first century Christians. You've had to be. That means necessity, doesn't it? It's necessary that you be distressed by various trials. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, that was all from three weeks ago. Brings us to today. Point number three my prayers have an impact. Knowing God is in control, that tells me my prayers have an impact. Prayer is not a waste of time. Prayers make a difference. Do you, do you ever wonder if prayer works? Do you ever wonder that? Am I just kind of saying words into the air? And do they, do they, does it really get a hold of God when I pray? I close my eyes and I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when I'm, I'm trying to have some quiet time and, and pray, and I close my eyes and I start talking to God, and, and it's like Satan whispers in my ears something like this. Yeah, nobody's paying attention to you. <laughs> God doesn't have time for this today, Rick. You think you're busy today? Think about how busy God is. He's got the whole world to look after. You're wasting your time. Your prayer's not going to get above the ceiling. You're conning yourself. You're psyching yourself up. You're just trying to make yourself feel good because you had some prayer time today. Rick, this is just, Satan says, it's just a psychological trick because prayer doesn't work. It's mumbo jumbo. It's a waste of time. And why would God waste his time listening to you? You ever get thoughts like that? Anybody? You wonder, you doubt. The truth is prayer works and prayer works because God is in control. If God is not in control, then absolutely prayer is a waste of time. But because God is in control, he can, here's the deal. Because God is in control, God can control the uncontrollable. All right, can I say that again? Because God is in control, he can control the uncontrollable. Your boss at work, whoever your boss is, is not the final authority in your life. All right? You might want to write that down. You might want to print that up and put that up in where you work, in your workplace. My boss is not the final authority in my life. Now, I used to have a bumper sticker when I had that little red car. And some of you remember that little red car I had. It was this big, the car was. And, uh, and I had that, this little red car, and I, I got a bumper sticker, and it, and it said, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. And I had that as a bumper sticker on the back. Well, that, that boss is my final authority. But your boss is not. You have a higher authority that you can appeal to. And he has a lot of leverage. And he can do things that you never thought were possible. Prayers have an impact because God is in control. And you think about it. God's sovereignty is the basis of all miracles. Sometimes we pray for a miracle. God, do the impossible. Well, if, if a miracle happens, it's because, of God's, because God can control, because God can overrule nature if he wants to, if he needs to. He can overrule a human law if he wants to. He can overrule a government if he wants to. He can do whatever he wants to do. 
1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. John, or excuse me, Ephesians 3.20. Let's do, look at that one first. Now to him, Paul writes, talking to Christ, to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. Right? Beyond what I could ask for, beyond what I could think that I might need, God can do beyond that. In 1 John 5, John writes, now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, boy, I would circle those words, according to his will, because we can ask things that are not the will of God, can't we? James writes and says, you ask and you don't receive. Why not? Because he says you ask amiss. You ask for the wrong things. You ever pray for the wrong things? Janice Joplin, you know? Buy me that Mercedes Benz, you know? We ask for the wrong things. A BMW would do fine, God. You know, if we ask for the wrong things and we pray amiss and he says we don't ask according to his will, but when we do ask according to his will, he hears us. And we know that, it, that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. I think we're all guilty of praying outside of the will of God, praying really for God, this is what I want. This is what I think is best sometimes. I'm excited for uh, things ahead at Nagset Church in 2016. Yesterday we met with, with a group of our partners here. I think 52 of us got together and we talked about becoming disciples and becoming disciple makers. And Larry Benson, I even quoted you of all things yesterday. <laughs> that's all right. And, th- and that's going to be the big step for us as a church is what happens in disciple making and, and, and so forth. But you're going you're to hear and you're going to see things happening this year in our church to, to step up, ramp up our efforts in prayer. It's going to be an emphasis for us this year. I used to hear Jerry Falwell say these words. I heard him say it many times that nothing of, et- of eternal significance is accomplished apart from prayer. Nothing. At the end of this gathering, After the last song, I'm going to invite you to come up if you would like to. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask our pastors to come and stand here. And uh, and I'm going to ask you to, if you would like to, to stick around about five minutes after the gathering is done and join our prayer team that meets every Sunday about 9.20 or 10.20 every Sunday morning. They meet in this room, about 10 or 11 of them sometimes. But I'd love, I would love to see this room this full every Sunday of people just praying in between our gatherings. I'm going to ask you to join them today and uh, for a time of prayer, a season of prayer. Uh, our staff meet, meets every morning, Monday through, fr- Monday through Thursday. Well, not really Monday, because Monday we meet at 8.30 and we have a long staff meeting if Bernie's in town. And... Um, <laughs> But, uh, but Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings, we get together at 9 o'clock and we start our day off with prayer. And, and I'd love for you to join us. If you're not busy doing anything at 9 o'clock those mornings, come in at 9 and, and meet with us and have prayer with us. We'd love to have you join us. Our connection groups all include a time of prayer when they get together. And, and we're going to see more things coming ahead uh, this year to urge us to pray together. So it's going to be I hope and I pray. Uh, a year of prayer like we've never had because prayer has an impact. Prayer makes a difference. Now, since God is in control, what then is the best way to enter the new year? We are four weeks into it. What's the best way? We've got 11 
months and one week left in this year. What's the best way for us to go forward in the new year? Well, I would say for us today, number one is to acknowledge his control over our lives. God, this year, brand new year, I want to give you control. And and if we're honest, can't we sit back if we're honest? I can. I don't know about you, but I can sit back. And and again, we've only had four weeks in the year. But if if I really sat down and allowed the Spirit of God to speak in my heart, he would show me things that I've done in 2016 where I took control out of his hands, where I attempted to anyway, where I said, God, I'm going to be in control of this, not you. And I would guess that probably the rest of us could say something similar. Acknowledge his control over your life. Don't fight it, his control. Don't run from it. Don't resist it, but accept it. Cooperate with it. Be grateful for it. Enjoy the blessing of God's control in your life. Thank God for his control in your life. In his control, nothing can devastate you. Nothing that happens in the next 11 plus months can devastate you if you're trusting in the one who controls it all. So let him control in your life the uncontrollable. All right, those things that happened that weren't your choice, those things that happened in your life that you had nothing to do with, you really didn't, they just happened. Somebody else caused them. Something else caused them. Let him control the uncontrollable and you stop Uh Uh-oh, here he goes. I'm going to start meddling now. You stop worrying about things. All right? I'm not going to ask how many of you are worriers, but some of you would say, "That's that's the biggest sin in my life, Pastor Rick, is I worry about things. Let God be in control, and then you stop worrying. Some of you worry about your business all the time. You worry about your finances all the time. You worry about losing your kids all the time. You worry about dying yourself, you know. You worry about getting ill all the time. Some people just worry, worry, worry. You can't control those things. can't, but God can. So trust him, and you can live this year with peace and with confidence and with hope. The best way for you to prepare for the new year is to simply, let me give you, I'm going to give you a little acrostic to finish out this morning. Establish a spiritual base for your life. Base, B-A-S-E. Spiritual base for your life. How do you do that? Some of what I'm going to say, some of you say, I've done that. I'm doing that. Great. Keep it up. But maybe you haven't. B stands for believe. If you're going to establish a spiritual base for your life, and a lot of us, we have other bases. We have job-related bases for our life. Business, family, career, financial basis for our life. We have a lot of bases for our lives, but maybe we don't have the spiritual belief that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and showed me he was God by coming back to life. First thing you can do, best thing you could ever do this year, if you never have, is believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthian church, and they were a messed up church, by the way. He wanted them to have a spiritual basis for their lives. And he says, he said, let me take you back, guys, and one more time, let's hammer down the gospel. 
Make sure we understand what it is. So he said to them, now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. Remember way back, right back when I first came to you, I proclaimed the gospel to you. You've received it and you've taken your stand on it. Um, where is Tom Lee? I'm looking for Tom. You in here, Tom? Somewhere? Tom said, see, he was here the very first Sunday I, I was here, and now he's gone. And um, I was going to ask Tom, <laughs> I was going to ask Tom, where, what did I preach on the very first Sunday that I was here? And I know Tom will go, I have no clue. But I do. I preached on Galatians, out of Galatians chapter 1. And in Galatians chapter 1, one of the things the Apostle Paul says, and if anybody preaches any other gospel to you than what I've preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul, to all the churches he ministered to, wanted to be sure that they understood the gospel because it is the foundation of our belief, the gospel. You are also saved by it, Paul goes on to say, if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe to no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I received, what I also received. And what is that? Here it is. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. There's the gospel. You believe. If you, you need the spiritual basis for your life and you don't have one, step number one, believe that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. Now, what does that mean to believe in Christ? So believing in Christ is more than just knowledge that he lived. He was a historical person. But it's more than knowledge of that. You see, I believe, I, I, I'm not old enough to remember, but I believe because I've read it so much in, in, in history books and seen things on television and so forth, I believe that Hitler lived. But I'm not a Nazi. I believe that Stalin lived. But I'm not a communist. I believe in Jesus Christ, however, and that makes me a Christian. What's the difference? If I don't believe in Hitler, I'm not a Nazi. Stalin, I'm not a communist. I believe in Jesus. That makes me a Christian. What's the difference? And the difference is that belief in Christ for salvation means this. I totally trust in him and him alone. I don't trust anything Hitler did or said, Stalin, anybody. I believe totally, completely in Christ and him and him alone. That makes me a Christian. The word believe in the Greek New Testament, which is the language it was written in, means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to adhere to. It's the same word as the word translated for us, to have faith. Exact same word. It's more than knowing that Christ is God. It is trusting your eternity, your eternity to him and the work he did on the cross for you and proving that he was God when he proved it after he died on the cross and he came back to life, be his belief. And Jesus said, that belief, John 3, 16, that belief guarantees you everlasting life. But there's some more benefits that come with that belief. That's the first layer, if you will. That gives you eternal life. But if you want to build on that foundation, A, B-A-S-E, A stands for accept God's free gift of grace to forgive my sins. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that and how maybe that's a little bit different than belief that he's my savior. 
Romans 3.22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So if you've believed in Jesus Christ, A, accept his grace that he's forgiven you of your sins has already taken place. The forgiveness is there. Oftentimes what doesn't happen in people's lives is that acceptance of that grace. What do you mean? I'm grateful for that last phrase in that verse, by the way, no matter who we are. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ loves me, no matter who I am, no matter what I've been like. You're never too bad. You're never too far gone. You're never a hopeless case. There are no hopeless cases in God's book. How many of you, this will date some of us, but how many, how many of you, when you were young, maybe for Christmas or your birthday, you got an Etch-A-Sketch? Would you raise your hand? Remember Etch-A-Sketch? What a great, great, great toy that is. Is it the movie Elf where he does this amazing Mona Lisa and stuff on the Etch-A-Sketch? <laughs> you get the Etch-A-Sketch and you sit down and you, and you do the, the knobs and one takes the little line and goes up vertically and the other horizontally and, and if you learn how to coordinate them, you can actually do curved things and, and you write things and draw things with Etch-A-Sketch and you do that for a while and when you get tired of it or when you say, I messed that up, what do you do? Remember what you had to do with it? You picked it up, you turned it upside down, and you shook it. And when you flipped it back over, what did you have? A blank screen. That's what forgiveness with God is. He does his etch-a-sketch thing with your life. He turns it upside down when you believed in him, and he shakes it, and the slate is wiped clean. So God sees you when he flips you over and he sees you as having this blank slate, this blank screen, he sees you as clean. Why? Because you accepted his forgiveness and you don't see yourself, please, let, please hear this, you don't see yourself as unworthy of his love. A, accept God's forgiveness for all of my sins. They're wiped away. They're washed away when you're forgiven. B, A, B, believe, A, accept, S, can you guess what it is? Switch. I, I knew you wouldn't guess that one. Switch to God's plan, because I would have said uh, surrender, submit. Switch to God's plan for my life. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, let's read this verse together. Read it with me, will you? Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. There's a switch that takes place. Switch to God's plan for your life. The Bible has a term for that. The Bible term isn't switch. The Bible term is repentance. The Greek word for repentance literally means to change your mind, change the way you're headed. I heard the story of a biker. He was a pretty rough character. Um, but he put his faith in Christ. And he still had the, the look of a biker. Still had the tattoos and the, and the hair and he had the hog. But his life was changed. And he explained it this way when someone asked him about it. He said, well, when you become a believer, God doesn't slow you down. He changes your direction. He changes your direction. God's plan for my life. Switch to that. A lot of people hesitate to become Christians and and, and then to give Christ control of their lives because they have this thought in their mind. And maybe you thought this at one time, or you've talked to people. 
about your relationship in Christ and they think if I become a Christian, I'm gonna lose all my fun, all my freedom, all my friends. They'll think once you become a Christian, this biker explained in his testimony, you know, they, they think once you become a Christian, you become, guys, you'll understand this, you become sissified, something. And that's not true. Jesus was a man's man. Most likely Jesus, until he started his ministry, worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. That meant he worked hard. He had strong, calloused hands. God doesn't slow you down. God changes your direction. And that's switching to God's plan. It's saying, God, instead of me trying to do my own plan, let's go with your plan. In fact, God, let's go with your plan for the rest of my life. And I want you to, on your plan, I want you to take my life and get my life on track. I want you to let me become what you made me to be in the first place. God, I want to switch to your direction. E, B-A-S, switch E is express my desire for Christ to be the director of my life. The next layer that we add on this base. I was having a conversation just the other day with one of our partners about this. And, and you know, if you're going to acknowledge that God is sovereign, and some of you said, that's what I'm going to do this year. Three weeks ago, you said, I'm going to tell you, God, you're sovereign. You're in control of my life. You have to come to the place in life, Christian, where you give up control and you surrender it to him. One day the Bible says, this is coming, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow. I want to say to those people in this world right now who are killing Christians and beheading them and, and so forth and proclaiming that, that Allah is God, I want to say to them, okay, you think that now, but one day, here's, I'm just going to predict your future for you. One day you will drop to your knees and proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. That's coming. One day every knee is going to do that. But listen, those, those folks that that are the enemies of God and the enemies of Christ, when they do that, it's not going to be something they really want to do. But they'll have no choice. So for us who are believers, who know him as Savior, who say, I want you to have control over my life, let me say to us here in January of 2016, you'll be way ahead of the game if you make that decision right now. Right now, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Right now, I drop to my knees and say, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. But by the way, it's more than saying words. Please don't think it's about saying words. It's like salvation's not about saying a sinner's prayer. Salvation's about belief. It's not words. There are no magic words. There's no magic words in saying Jesus is Lord. It, it, to make Jesus your Lord is an act of surrender to him. It's to give him control. Why do you say that? Well, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Lord means I want to do your will. It's not just saying the words. It's being submitted. It's being surrendered. It's saying you are and I will live that way by the power of God. So how about you? Where are you this morning? Maybe you're here because you made 
a New Year's resolution to start going to church and you've been coming maybe for the last few weeks, you know, I'm going to try that church out. They look different. I'm going to try to check them out. And you're trying us out. And let me say, if that's why you're here today, yeah, that's great. I think God is behind that. I think God has you here for a reason. But I have to ask you, have you taken that first and most important step in establishing a spiritual base for your life by fully trusting in Jesus as your Savior? Have you done that? Church attendance, it's a great thing. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Nags Head Church in the last 25 years. It's a bunch. And it's a great thing. But it is not the foundation It's not the base I need for my life or you for yours. The foundation, the base is what? Believe, faith in Jesus Christ. And I would say to you, if you never have done this, if you truly want to have a year like no other, and you've never received Christ as your Savior, do it now. It'll change everything. Right here, right now, you can let them know from your heart that you believe the gospel, that Jesus died and rose again for you. And that simple act of faith, how simple is it? It was simple enough that a 10-year-old boy, this guy, could do it. 10 years old. And I could grasp it. I could understand it. Do you think really that you you really understood it, Rick? Yeah? Why? Because he never has forsaken me. He has never left me. I remain his child. I know that. That simple act of faith makes you a part of his family. It's a new birth for you. And if you've never done that before today, but that's what you're doing right now. Right, you say, right now, Rick, I want to accept Christ for the first time in my life. I'm just looking out. I'm going to put my hand up here because the lights are right there in my face. But if that's you, say, right now today, Rick, for the first time in my life, I'm accepting Christ as my Savior. Would you just put your hand, just as I look around the room, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Anybody at all? Okay. All right, so you've got the base then, what you're telling me. Good. Let's move on to the next points. Perhaps you're already a believer, but you've been dragging around the baggage of old sin with you for far too long. What do you mean? You struggle with the whole concept that a holy God can forgive you. And you might even come up to me and say to me, but Rick, you don't know what I did in my past. You don't know what it was like. And you know what? I don't need to know. I don't care. Doesn't matter. What matters is who are you now? You don't know the bad things that I've had people tell me, but you don't know the things that I've done. And you struggle with the concept that this holy God can forgive you. And you have this feeling of unworthiness. And you know, in your heart, I wish I could be free from that guilt. When Jesus died, I've got good news for you. When Jesus died, he paid for that sin, whatever it was. Whatever that behavior was, whatever was done to you, whatever you did to others, Jesus paid for that sin. He took it upon himself, picture this with me, on the cross, he took it upon himself so that he could take it off of you. So you can be free of it. There's no rational reason then for you to continue to beat yourself up for what Jesus has cleansed. You get that? 
if I could make a great big point on this, I would, and, and just to be kind of just, this is the point, get over it. It's done. It's taken care of. It's passed. It's buried in the deepest sea. As far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, God has scattered your sin. And he remembers them. How often, church? No more. So maybe right now you would, you need to say, okay, I'm going to accept that grace, that love that I don't deserve, that pardons me from all my sin. I've already accepted Jesus as my Savior, but I'm still clinging to, still get beat up by my past. Let me ask you right now, if you're accepting his forgiveness so that you can be free from guilt, I want to pray for you as well. Again, I'm going to start over here and just kind of go across the room and just slip your hand up. Rick, that's part of my deal right now. Okay, thank you. God bless you. I'm still battling my past, and I want to get past that. I want to be over that. And we, we can leave, Roxanne, let's leave the lights right where they are right now, okay? That's better. It's easier than up and down. Anybody over here? Rick, pray for me. God bless you, all right? I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Thank you. Then maybe you're the Christian who has a hard time letting go of the, right now, the wrong things in the world. The world's squeezing you into its own mold. Rather than the word of God molding you every day to be more like Christ, and you know that in your life right now there are habits, there are attitudes, there are words, there are thoughts, there are battles that you continue to lose. It's like you can't resist the temptation. Well, this morning the good news is very simply this, that God has a better plan for your life, and he wants you to turn away from the old life and turn completely over to him to change your mind about those things that you know are pulling you away from him. Might be things, might be possessions. Materialism is a big deal in the United States of America. And if that's you, and, and, and we've all, but let me just say, probably we've all been in that boat. I, I, you know, I know I have, I know I am. Very often, God, why did, Romans 7, Paul, God, I can't, did it again. If that's something today, and you, there's something in your life right now that you know you need to turn from so that you can freely go in the direction Christ wants you to go, I want to pray for you. Would you put your hand up and say, Rick, pray for me. All right, God bless you. Thank you. All right, lots of things to pray for today. And then last, it could be that the need of your life is to surrender it to him, your whole life. Surrender it to him, make him your Lord. And you say, I'm a believer but I've tried to run my own life and it just hasn't worked out so well, God. He wants control of your life, not just on Sundays. And you know, you guys are awesome. You got up and said, I can get through that snow. I'm going to be in church. But maybe you've tried to run your own life and it just hasn't worked so well. And will you today acknowledge whether, whether it's the first time in your Christian life or it's a renewal for you today, God, today I need in my heart at the beginning of the year, I need to know and to live and to practice that Jesus is Lord of my life. You slip your hand up in the air. Got lots of hands. Both of mine, yeah. Let's pray. Lord, I pray 
uh, this morning for those who are accepting the grace of your forgiveness to be free. Right now, God, would you lift the baggage? Would you lift the burden off the shoulder that you paid for on the cross as they've been carrying around maybe for years? May today be the day they walk out to the ocean and cast it into the sea. May the be, today be the day they walk out outside and, and, so, and, and to cast it into the air and watch your wind blow it to the east and the west and be free of that baggage. I pray for those who maybe, Lord, they, they realize there's a lot of times in my life I'm not following Jesus, but I'm going in the wrong direction and I need to turn around. I pray for them, who, those who raise their hands. I pray for those many who raised their hands to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm renewing that, perhaps, that commitment to him today, that submission to him. There's a, at the end of your notes, there's some questions there, a little evaluation. I hope that you'll do quietly. Ask yourself those questions, will you? Lord, answer these prayers. You see the hearts, you saw the hands, but you see the hearts. You know what's really there. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this new year. May it be different than any other because Jesus is Lord of our lives. In his name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world. 